Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from early 2016. First off, Sister Priscilla Solomon speaks about truth and reconciliation and what it means to be an Aboriginal Catholic sister. We also meet singer-songwriter Jonathan Hilston. In our second half hour, we learn about good Catholic fiction with Chesterton Press editor Regina Doman, and we end the show by catching up with Sarah Hart. We now begin with The Rights of Indigenous Peoples. In 2007, almost 60 years after the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights, the United Nations adopted the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. The Declaration recognizes Indigenous peoples' basic human rights, as well as rights to self-determination, language, equality, and land, among others. There were four countries that voted against this uh, declaration, Australia, New Zealand, the United States, and Canada. However, a few weeks ago, Canada officially removed its objector status and agreed to begin working to implement the declaration in our country here in Canada. And to find out more about Indigenous rights, truth and reconciliation, and how one can be Indigenous and Catholic at the same time, recently I spoke with Sister Priscilla Solomon. She's an Ojibwe and a member of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph. Here's an excerpt of that conversation. The whole relationship between the church, I mean, you start off by saying that when you were growing up, when you were little, that you were being taught that, you know, you had to reject all of that. Um, Now things have changed. Um, Still that relationship between the church and some indigenous peoples, it's still, I mean, that's why we have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There's a whole history of residential schools. We don't have time right now to go totally into it, but we know your parents both went through the residential school system, even though you didn't. Um, mm-hmm. You are an indigenous person, so obviously there's something in the work that you do with your office that also has to do with indigenous rights and justice when, for when indigenous the, people. One of the needs of today is the yeah. needs to address yeah. the... Uh, the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. The whole question of residential schools and the question of the relationship between Indigenous and Mm non-Indigenous people has been in the consciousness of Canadians, but also particularly the church's justice issues for Indigenous people since the 60s. Right. With uh, the Mackenzie Valley Pipeline was a big issue that they responded to. So... The current issue is the relationship between Indigenous and settler Canadians, yeah. and how do we yeah. reconcile that relationship? Right. And so, tr- it's not—it's not doing something different. I'm responding to that call yeah. to meet the needs yeah, in the absolutely. way that our office can. And it, would you say that truth and reconciliation is is a response to that need as well, even though it's not your specific response? But I mean that's how we're trying to, we and, and in Australia and other places, also trying to respond to a great injustice that has been done. Yes. Is the, it a, The it, injustice that has come about through the process of colonization, of colonization around the world. Yeah. And so, yes, we are all called to, uh, to explore the truth and to reconcile right. those relationships. Now, the Catholic Church... Uh, also has responded to the Truth and Reconciliation 
findings? Calls to action. Calls to action. Tell me about that. Well, there are a number of calls to action that are specifically directed to the churches. Okay. And it's those calls that um, the Catholic Church has recently responded to mm -hmm. through uh, the CCCB office, through the Justice and Peace Commission right. of the CCCB office, so through the, the leadership bishops. of religious yeah. congreg congregations, and through Development and Peace. Okay. Those are all partners in a response to the call to action that asks the churches to um, articulate how they are going to put the, um, the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People as a framework for reconciliation. Okay. So how are we going to take the principles and values of that Declaration of this. and express that in our response to our need for reconciliation here. Okay, that makes sense because I was going to ask you, so how, how does this relate? How does the Truth and Reconciliation Commission kind of bring this into play? But you just answered that. Mm. So, so the res one of the calls to action is to implement this in a yes, sense. Yes, yeah. And not just as a, as a nation because the government presumably is also going to try there to There are definitely this. calls to the governments to respond, yeah. both the federal, the provincial, the, the territorial governments. There are calls to churches. Reconciliation, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but implies apology. Are apologies necessary? Yes. Apologies have been made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There may some, maybe some yet to be made. I can't answer that. But I do know that when a person or persons offend another, it has an impact on their dignity, their sense of self-worth. That is a piece of the individual mm -hmm. harm that was done by the residential schools that dignity is restored when the one who offends has the courage to acknowledge yeah. their offense and yeah. say, I'm sorry. So it. yeah, that apologies are necessary and yeah. apologies have been given yes. and maybe others will be called for, yeah. but they right. are. An apology is very important. Yeah. Acceptance of the apology is also very important. And yes. But it can't be imposed any more than the apology can be imposed. Right. So it's, it's a kind of a dance. Mm -hmm. There's a responsibility to apologize for the harm has been done. There's a responsibility at some point to accept th that apology. But if the pain has been too deep, then it may be a long time before right. the acceptance comes. Yeah, time. What, what do, I mean, I'm a regular Catholic. I'm in a, in a parish where there are no indigenous peoples, that at least that I know of. Maybe they're there and I don't know that they're there. How, how am I called to respond to, to the truth and reconciliation, the calls to action, and even to this, to, to this declaration? I think a number of ways. One of the ways is definitely to uh, educate yourself about mm -hmm the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Mm -hmm. Read the, the Declaration, read the report of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, mm -hmm. or at least the findings of that commission. There's, right. I mean, mm -hmm. read the two declarations or the two responses that the Catholic, uh, that Catholic the Church has made, yeah. the bishops and the, and the heads of Development and Peace, 
uh, they made it in the name of others, yeah. could not commit themselves, force the commitment of others, mm -hmm. but they made it with the understanding, I think, with the hope and the expectation that we will read that response. We will find out what we are called to do. We're called to dialogue. Mm -hmm. We're called to change some of the... Uh, to change the lack of education about Indigenous issues into yeah. a greater awareness of Indigenous issues. Yes. I'm not educating myself. Right. So we need to develop an openness of spirit that says, there's a reason for this struggle coming back, for this information coming to us again and again and again. Yeah. So educate ourselves, dialogue with others, others about it, search out. There are Indigenous people. Yeah. In this country, there mm -hmm. are indigenous, there are First Nations. Mm -hmm. At least look for the opportunity to dialogue. Mm -hmm. Look for someone that you can talk to. Yes. Would you say that that is an adequate response to what we're called to do during this year of mercy? Uh, yes, I, I don't know if I'd use the word adequate. I, I think okay. it is a way in which we can respond to the call in this year mm -hmm. of mercy because the year of mercy calls us to, uh, to turn to God, mm -hmm. to ask for forgiveness for any failures that we've mm -hmm. had. Well, yeah, our churches have failed in some ways. Our, we as Canadians have failed by being part of the process of colonization, being part of the residential schools, so we ask forgiveness of God for those mm -hmm. failures. We trust that God will give us the mercy and we make a choice to move forward together. Mm -hmm. These two documents really give us eight different ways that we can move forward together, yeah. and so let's find out about them. Yeah, for Look for sure. the documents on the CCCB website. Yeah, actually, we're going to put it on our website. Oh, good. Um, we're going to end there, sisters. Thank you so much. We could spend all afternoon here talking, but maybe maybe you just have to come back. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yes. I really enjoyed this. That was an excerpt of a conversation I had with Sister Priscilla Solomon earlier in the month. Sister Solomon is an Ojibwe and a member of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph. You can watch the full interview at saltandlighttv.org slash perspectives. And that's also where you can find many resources on truth and reconciliation and the rights of indigenous peoples. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Jonathan Wayne Hilsden with The Vision from his new album, Wings. Woke to see there's something different Heard the sounds of foreign things Felt that I'd been lifted and placed in wonderland Ooh. Went forth to find the people And found beasts who speak my tongue Then I heard the singing, saints and angels one
I never saw him brighter than the sun beneath. But these new eyes can see him, and he's looking back at me. And I could not stand before him. My knees wouldn't hold me up. But then I saw the masses. He looked on them as well. Holy, 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 you are. Holy, 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 you are. And I could not stand before him. My knees wouldn't hold me up. Then I saw the masses. He looked on them as well. Holy, 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 you are. Holy, holy. was Jonathan Wayne Hilsden with The Vision from his new album, Wings. Jonathan Wayne Hilsden was brought up as a Christian, not Catholic, in Jerusalem, Israel. So it's fair to say that his experiences, his upbringing, are a bit unconventional. Now, he became a Catholic not too long ago, and shortly after, he decided to take all the guitar tinkering that he'd been doing all his life and turn it into songs. And those songs are finally recorded. And the result is the album that we've been listening to, Wings. And to tell us more about it, um, I'm very happy to actually be sitting with Jonathan Hilsden right here in the Salt and Light Hour studio. Jonathan, welcome. Should I say welcome back to Salt and Light? Well, I guess yes. you, yeah. Did you even, yeah, in the bio, I'm not sure if you no, mentioned that. No, uh, you, you, you did a little yeah. stint working with us here at Salt yeah, and Light. Yeah, well, a little stint. It was about three years. So really? I think it was a significant amount of time. So uh, That's good. And, and, and that yeah. was, uh, maybe that will be part of the story as you tell us, because that was, I think, part of your, your conversion sort of mm-hmm. story. But let's go even further back. Because you're growing up, your pa- your your dad is a pastor, an evangelical right. pastor, yeah, yeah, Christian in Jerusalem. What was <laughs> what was growing up like? Well, uh, growing up was amazing. I'm glad to say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my my dad uh, or my family moved to Israel back in the early '80s, and I was born there. Yeah. And uh, and so I grew up in Jerusalem. My dad is uh, has been the pastor for you know over 30 years of a very vibrant evangelical yeah. community. Sorry, just to stop you. So your parents moved. 
to do ministry. So it's like yes, exactly. And yeah. was that an, a personal initiative, or was part of a, a greater church evangelical movement that, uh, to well, bring pastors to Jerusalem? It's, it's a particular denomination called the Pentecostal Assemblies. Sorry, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Okay, and uh, and it's. And that's that's his mission is to right, uh, is to great. be there and serve serve the evangelical community and guide people to uh, Christ. That's so. great. So you're growing up Christian in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm quite the minority, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'm in kind of a, in one sense an ultra minority. Uh, yeah. You know, growing up as a an evangelical Christian in Israel, and then now at the point where I transition into becoming a Catholic, yeah. Uh, yeah. a Catholic Christian. Yeah. I, that's that's considered quite unusual i don't know anybody else like me from israel who who went through no a similar, i know uh, process, you're, you're, so. there's going to be a movie made about you because you're the, you're the only one no but wait so <laughs> we we think because we know there are christians in the middle east but oftentimes we don't think that they are you know they're maronites and malkites right true. but they're not evangelical pentecostal christians so tell me a little bit about that sort of demographic I mean, obviously, it's a minority, right? Yeah. Like, how well, many people go to your dad's church? Oh, I'd say on a given given Sunday, maybe between four to five hundred. Oh, that's a lot of people. A good, yeah, a good sized community. Well, um, in Israel, there's a there's a, a movement what they call the Messianic movement. Yes, which is people who still identify with their Jewish background. Okay, and and uh, they come to faith in in Jesus. Yeah, and. Uh, Okay, and for them, it's not it's not a conflict at all. Just like the early apostles, right? Uh, were in fact Jews, course, Jews and would not have stopped calling themselves. But they've Jews. accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Uh, absolutely. So, would you say that the majority of the people in your dad's congregation, or you growing up, are are those those Messianic Jews? It's a mix. It's okay. a mix of uh, a lot of expats. So a lot of yeah, people who. Okay. Who are from overseas? It could be that they're diplomats, or they could be involved in some other ministry. Right, uh, and then a lot of them are, of course, uh, local yeah. and Arabs and Jews. Yeah, very uh, cool. Uh, both uh, nice. in, in, the, in that nice. evangelical environment. So obviously, growing up, there's faith in the household. Obviously, yeah. Was it a musical household? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, both my parents have been involved in music for yeah, f- you know, forty years or something. My mom actually was involved at CTS. Uh, Crossroads, Crossroads Television, television here. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, just here in Canada. Exactly, yeah. 100 Huntley Street. She was the music director. Oh, really? Back in the, uh, I guess oh it would be the gosh. early 80s. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, she's an excellent uh, piano player nice. and, and singer. And, and So did uh, you have to go to music lessons? Did she make you take piano lessons? I, I actually did try piano lessons. a Jewish uh, Israeli <laughs> professor? No, well, <laughs> uh, teacher? Russian, actually. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I did, you know, it was my own choice. Nobody made me do it, but I, I started learning piano. Uh, yeah. When I was, I don't know, six years old, and I was not interested at no. all. I don't know why I even said yes to it, but I, uh, so the conclusion was is that I didn't have a musical bone in my body. Right. You were like, well, I guess, you know, the genetics, you know, it, it's, it skips a generation or, you know, with me at least. Uh, and then you picked up a guitar at some point. Yeah. So it turns out <laughs> if you like something, yes. it's easier to thrive and get better at it. Cause, of course. Yeah. So I, I, when I was about 12 years old, I started playing bass actually. Oh yeah. Uh, That's yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that was the first thing. And then, and then when I picked up a guitar, it was kind of, uh, I guess you could say addictive uh, yeah. to be crass about it. But, yeah. uh, That's true. Yeah. That's funny. Actually, I started playing bass first and then from bass, I went to guitar. That's right. Right. Funny story. So then at what point did you start? kind of going through this transition, discovering Catholicism. I guess you were already a, a young adult when this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I should say that as a, you know, being raised Christian and then even through my 20s, uh, you know, being Christian, I, uh, I had a profound relationship uh, with Christ. I, yes. just, I just loved God. And my parents raised me to love God and to love the scriptures. Yeah. And so I didn't see so much uh, becoming Catholic as 
a conversion in the sense of leaving one religion to another because mm-hmm. uh, that's not that's right. not what it is. Okay, no, it's uh, I believe that you know I began to believe that Christ established a church and that I wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, a visible church, but that didn't mean that my life as a Christian or my family's lives as Christians are right. are invalid or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. There's there's tremendous faith and and I just and I just feel so fulfilled as a Catholic Christian right. to experience what I believe is the fullness of truth. Uh-huh. And um, and so that process, I mean, I had a friend who who uh, who was Catholic, uh, but for a while he was evangelical. Mm-hmm. So he left the church, uh, the yes. Catholic church in high school. He was evangelical, and he came back to the Catholic church and wanted to have people over at his house to teach them about the church. Right. You know, so uh, Jews, Muslims, Christians. Okay. He just wanted to explain to them what the Catholic church actually teaches. Uh-huh. So I went to his house, and I started learning all about it. You know, the first thing uh, I remember him speaking about was— um, the de- the development of the canon of scripture, yes. and I found it uh, quite a logical fallacy mm-hmm. that I believed all the scriptures, uh, you know, were divinely inspired. I, I but I didn't really realize where the canon came from, and I was rejecting right. the authority that actually canonized yeah, it, of which course. was which was so yeah, clearly historically the Catholic yeah. Church. Yeah. So why would I expect accept the canon of scripture and reject all their other? Doctrines yeah. that are different from yeah, exactly. uh, from the Protestant doctrines. The, the, that argument about what came yeah. first, the Bible or the Church. Right. Um, um, how much of that experience do you think is reflected in your actual music? I mean, again, it's uh, you're one of these Catholic. I mean, I don't know if I can call you a Catholic artist. You're an artist. I'm an artist. Song, and songwriter that just happens yeah. to be Catholic. Because because I don't. I mean, there are some songs. I mean, we just heard the vision that, that clearly there's. It's, it feels like a prayer. Mm-hmm. But these are not songs that are you know, love songs to Jesus. So, so, but they're about your life, obviously. Absolutely, so how yeah. much of that conversion experience do you think is, 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 uh, represented in this, these songs or this album? Well, you know, <laughs> or even the title wings. Yeah. Well, the wings, I mean, that song is a, is a, is a song of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. So the way I can connect to, you know, where the Lord has brought me in my life, uh, I'm just thankful. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the lyrics in the song is just talking about how thankful I am. Yeah. And that God has provided for me. And one of those ways that He's provided for me is the grace to to be received into the Catholic Church, right? Because it's the it's such a great joy in my life to experience the fullness of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh-huh. And so that's just a song of thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. And is that why you decided to call the whole album "Wings"? I mean, that experience of mm-hmm. of having wings in a way. I guess you could say. Well, I guess you no. Know, <laughs> I guess you could say it's more. It's it's the theme is is I guess Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, wings, you know. W- the chorus in that song, you know, you cover me with your wings. Yeah. It's more of a, that's, that's more talking about how the Lord takes care of me. Yes. That, that he shelters me. Uh, so I'm just thankful that through all the difficulties, uh, uh, through my life, that we all have difficulties, of course, but, um, that he is taking care of me. Yeah. And, uh, so I just dedicated, I guess the whole album to being thankful for his care. Now you also, this is your first album. These are all your first songs, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. some, some of your first songs didn't make the cut. And you that is pro- true. You, <laughs> produced, you produced it with your brother. So what, what, what about the experience of working with your brother is also part of Wings and Thanksgiving and, and, and kind of the whole theme of the album? Yeah, so my brother, uh, Jamie, uh, James Hillsden, yeah. he, uh, he's an excellent musician. Yes. Uh, and he, 
He's he's also come out with his own solo album a few years ago under the name James Wesley Hillsden. Okay. Uh, he had a, a punk band, Man Alive, right. uh, and I think they still play. And uh, yes. it's really good, just melodic music. Even though it's punk, it has a lot of... Uh-huh. It's actually very easy listening for some people, yeah. uh, more people than you'd imagine. And and a lot of also worship projects, praise yeah. and worship. He's He's currently... Uh, he and his band have just come out with an album in Hebrew uh-huh. uh, that's all scripture in Hebrew, and it's and it's and it's meant for a nice. congregational worship context. That's great, and uh, it's awesome. It's called Mikedem. If anybody wants to check so that like out, Christian praise and worship in Hebrew. Absolutely, yep. we need to have your brother on this program. I'd love it's, to hear that album. That's yeah, great. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, he's produced a lot of albums, and. Uh, Obviously, uh, I didn't end up paying the standard rate or any rate to him for that matter. Yes, I paid for the studio time. So, yeah. what a huge blessing! But it's not just that it was—it's uh, not just that he, you know, hooked me up with uh, with that free production. It's that he really is a guy that understands understands what I'm going for and yeah. did a great job of bringing out yeah. the best of me. Now, that's very simple musically. There's guitar, but I can hear bass. Some songs have piano. Mm-hmm. Is he also playing, or are you playing a lot of the other instruments? Well, I, I actually just play guitar. There's yeah. some electric on there, too, so yes. I play acoustic guitar, all of it, and a little bit of electric guitar. My brother Jamie actually played bass, yeah. and uh, the the engineer, Pavel Zaretsky, Right. And his wife uh, did some work, too. Oh, so he nice. played piano, did some percussion, good. and his wife did a lot of the background vocals and they good. did a great job. Okay, good. So it's Wings by Jonathan Wayne Hilson. Um, thank you. It's so good to finally, I know you started working on this <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to, to hear hear it come come together. And it's so good to see you and blessings in what you're doing. I hope that you, there's more music coming down the pipes. I know that you're working on a lot of other projects, but um, thank you for sharing a little bit of what you're doing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. To learn more about Jonathan Wayne Hillsden or to purchase wings, you can go to his website, hillsdenmusic.com. Here now is Jonathan Hillsden with Back in Time from his new album, Wings. I go back in time Just to find myself Oh, I shake me up as I would for anyone else What's the use in crime when the best is yet to come Dry your eyes to see that I'm who I've always been And you see that I don't ever care at all And you see We're listening to Jonathan Hilston with Back in Time from his album, Wings. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. At first I thought that if I asked you to name some Catholic fiction, you'd come up blank. 
But perhaps many of you would mention Lord of the Rings, but I don't know if you could come up with anything else. In fact, I'm sure that some of you would ask what Catholic fiction is anyway, and I wonder that too. Is it fiction written by Catholics? Is it fiction that has some Catholic themes, like Dan Brown's novels? Or is it fiction that is written with a specific purpose to evangelize? Well, to help us answer all these questions and more, and to help point us to some great, inspiring, and good stories for all ages, I'm joined by Regina Doman, publisher of Chesterton Press. Regina, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so good to finally connect with you. Um, I've been following your work for for many years. Um, Your website says, so the description of Chesterton Press is fiction that evangelizes the imagination. Yes. What does that mean? How do you evangelize my imagination? (laughs) Well, the imagination is very powerful. I mean, we tend to think about evangelizing people's reason or evangelizing people's hearts. Yeah. But yeah. the imagination is also very powerful in uh-huh. how the human person functions. Uh, the imagination is not so much like what we know, but how we think about what we know. And that can be everything when it comes to fiction. Okay. Um, you know, we might know the truth of the Catholic faith, but we might have negative images in our heads. We might have negative feelings attached to that. Uh-huh. Or we might just have a blank. You know, there's some parts of our Catholic faith that are not really connected, like we can't really visualize them. We don't see how that works for our lives. We don't see how that can make a difference for us. Well, that's where the imagination comes in. And that's what Catholic fiction can do, is it can help to evangelize people's imaginations so that they can understand what it feels and what it looks like to be a Christian. And, you know, what different aspects of the faith really are like when they're lived out. I mean, fiction can do that in a way that almost nothing else can. Interesting. So you would say then, to, to answer that question that I, that I brought up at the intro, the mm-hmm. Catholic fiction would be fiction that does that, that it's not just, that, that, it's, evangeli- that it's evangelizing me by, by, uh, by, uh, by touching my imagination. Yes. And by, what I would say, by helping you to love Christ. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, like, catechism can help you to know Christ. You know, prayer can help you to know Christ. But often it's through the imagination that we come to love Christ, yeah. or we come to love our faith, you know. Um, I mean, that and through the lived experience of being with other people, you know, seeing other Christians, other faith in action. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would say in a broad sense, yes, Catholic fiction would be anything that helps to do that. And, of course, that would be very personalized and individualized. But what I yeah. do with Catholic fiction is specific. It's a little bit more specific because, you know, we're using Catholic fiction as a marketing term. Yeah. And that, of course, means something different. Yeah. Hmm. Um, would you, since I brought up Lord of the Rings, and I think that that's probably some, a book yeah. or, or at least the movies that most people would recognize, according to that definition, would you say that Lord of the Rings fits into that description? Partly. Yeah. I would say I would probably, if Lord of the Rings had just been published this past year, I would be carrying it. Because I only carry books that have like just right. recently come out. I don't carry the classics, yeah, um, with few exceptions. But if Lord of the Rings had been had been published last year, I would be carrying it because J.R.R. Tolkien is a Catholic author. Yes, and part of our mission is to support Catholic authors that are producing amazing good fiction. Okay, but I'd also say the Catholic fiction, as we define it at Chesterton Press, is specifically fiction that Catholics would enjoy because it deals with Catholic characters, it has Catholic themes, it has ideas or characters that are of interest to Catholic people. 
Right. And, you know, usually that means that they're written by Catholic authors. Yeah, of So course. the way I usually say it is it's written by a Catholic author, and it's written for a Catholic audience, or at least it comes... It's something that Catholics would enjoy, whether or not it was specifically written to them or not. Right, so you're not talking about the Da Vinci Code. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's what fails. You know, I don't even know if Dan Brown himself is Catholic. I no, think he's yeah. just writing about Catholics. Yeah, absolutely, or something yeah. that's interesting. So how did you, how, how did Chesterton Press begin? Where did that, this whole idea, did you feel that there was a need for this kind of... Oh my gosh, well, as usual, as usual with God, you know, I sort of yeah. was, found myself backed into it. Uh, I started out doing one thing, and God led me to do something else. And uh-huh. Isn't that how our Savior uh, always works? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, I basically started out by writing books based on fairy tales. What yes. I do is I take, a fi- I take a fairy tale, I put it into a modern setting, and I retell the story with lots of excitement, adventure, danger, suspense, and romance, you know, because as we know, fairy tales can be romantic. Absolutely. And um, I was publishing them with another small publisher, and then that relationship came to an end. Um, basically, they decided not to do any more new fiction, and they encouraged me to self-publish. So eventually we decided to do that, and we took as our... When I decided to self-publish, I took as our name, company name, uh, Chesterton, which uh-huh. is the name of the great British writer G.K. Chesterton, yes. who was formerly very familiar to Catholics of a previous generation. Yes. But I discovered him with a, with a teenager. He helped When I was a teenager, I discovered his writings. He helped me to fall in love with the Church. And so I've always you know, sort of had an affection for him. So when I had to come up with a name for this company, I called it Chesterton Press. Right. Good. Well, as time went on, we basically started to publish other people's works as well. So we're no longer a small... We're no longer a self-publishing operation. We're a small publisher yeah. because I do publish other authors besides myself, as well as carrying other books that I think our readers would enjoy. Right. So if people are looking for, you know, I think mostly parents would might be looking for Catholic mm-hmm. content that, that's in story form for their children or for their teens or for themselves, yeah. what, what kind of books would you suggest that you would carry? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's what we specialize in is we specialize in fiction for teens. We always say we specialize in the fun stuff. Yeah. So you're not necessarily going to find a book that's going to catechize your child. You're not going to find necessarily a life of the saint or and you know anything like that. But you will find things that are fun. Uh-huh. You know that kids, especially teens, enjoy reading. Okay. And so sometimes that means it's books that are a little edgy, books that look a little dark. But a lot of times that's reflective of what teens are reading normally. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and so we try to compete with the best of what's out there for teens, and we've started to move into children's fiction as well. Um, so, so yeah, we yeah. have several uh, we have several series for different ages that I can recommend to yeah, your go ahead. listeners if they'd like. Yeah, yeah. For so, what do you have for little kids? Well, for little kids, we have a very fun series called "The Sisters of the Last Straw." Uh-huh. Uh, it's about a group of nuns who are. Um, it's about a group of nuns who all have bad habits that they're struggling to overcome. Okay, and um, they solve mysteries. They have a new order, and it's called, their bishop calls them the Sisters of the Last Straw. That's hilarious. And, yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're probably comparable to the Magic Treehouse book. Oh, I love those. My kids love those. Okay, good. Fun. Yeah, so we have that. We have a couple of picture books we just did, such as The Monk's Daily Bread and The Story of Job. Uh-huh. And they can all be found on our website, you know, yeah. on chestertonpress.com. Good. And so for teenagers, you said that that's your specialty. Yes, it's very difficult to find good yes. books for teenagers. Yes. You know, and, you know, they're the ones who really need evangelization in a lot of ways, especially in the imagination, because so much of what is out there for teens is very dark. 
and deals with very either depressing or, you know, um, well, you know, just, <laughs> faith, you know, not faithful content, you know, content yeah. that doesn't reflect the imagination of the Church. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what we tend to spend a lot of our resources on. Well, we have my books, the fairy tale novels, which I've uh-huh. described. Yeah. And we also have two other series that I'd like to point your list. Yeah, tell towards. me, tell me, tell me. Well, one is the one that you mentioned is your favorite is the John Paul II High series. Yes. And that's written by a team of young Catholic authors, uh, mostly Catholic dads. And really? they basically tell the adventures of seven kids in a new Catholic high school and their attempts to, uh, deal with the fact that there's been a school shooting at the local public high school and that one of the girls at the public high school has come to their school. She knows nothing about Catholicism, yeah. so a lot of it is her culture shock. But as the series progresses, it becomes apparent that the shooter, who is presumed to have been dead, is actually still out there and still targeting this girl. That's great. So this, yeah. the, the series has gotten very intense. We're up to book five. And we're working right now on book six. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to that one because uh, oh, this is, yeah, I agree, highly recommended. I'm not a teenager, but if I think if you, you know, 12, 13, 14, 16 year olds might love this, not just girls, but also boys. Um, and for adults, what would you have? Oh, gosh. Well, I'd also recommend the I Am Margaret series. Okay. This is a British series that we've just dis- we discovered and we're distributing. And I actually just got the final book in the series today. It just came into my office this very day. Um, it is a dis- dark dystopian series. Uh-huh. It's sort of like a retelling of the story of Margaret of Clitheroe, the English martyr. Okay. But set in a future dystopia where teenagers are harvested for their organs if they are medically or mentally imperfect. Okay. Wow. So they have this like this sort of grim thing where that basically teenagers who don't pass certain tests are turned over to the medical industry and harvested for their body parts. Huh. Um, and that is what happens to Margaret, you know, of the title. Right. Now, Margaret, um, she has a boyfriend who is very much in love with her, and so when she gets sorted into, the, you know, when she basically fails her sorting, as it's called, her boyfriend vows to come and rescue her. Well, Margaret is shipped off to this facility, and, you know, she and all the other inmates are fed and exercised and treated fairly well, except that, you know, whenever their organs are needed, they're going to be put to sleep yeah. and, you know, carved up, basically. Yeah. I should mention also that in this society, Catholicism is illegal. And right. so Margaret, unlike her boyfriend, is a Christian. And confirmation is a very important sacrament in this society because it means that, it's, you know, basically the harshest punishments are reserved for those who are found promoting superstition, as they say. So when she's in this facility, Margaret becomes an advocate for the handicapped children who are there. So when her boyfriend shows up to rescue her, she says, I'm not going to go with you unless you can take all of us. Interesting. And the story only gets better from there. Interesting. All these sound like they would be great on film, um, which is a whole other conversation. Maybe somebody listening has a lot of money <laughs> and they would want to produce some, some good stories for film. So, so just to recap, so Sisters of the Last Straw, I love that title. I'm going to have to... <laughs> I'm not going to wait for grandchildren. I'm going to go get them now. The uh, the fairy tale novels, which are yours, and I know mm-hmm. that that is some of those or all of them exist as audio audio books as well or audio. F- oh, just the first one. We would just love to do. It. We would love to do other audio dramas of them. We have yeah, the audio dramas. They're yet. excellent. And then the JP two high series, which is also a lot of fun. And then you've totally piqued my interest with with I am Margaret. I, I had seen it on your website, and I wasn't quite sure about that. So that's really, really, really good, Regina. It's so good to finally talk to you and to have you on the program thank you for what you're doing and uh keep keep it up because i agree with you that there's there's a great need for uh 
our evan- our imaginations to be evangelized. Amen. And thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And I, I hope your readers and listeners will check out ChestertonPress.com. I hope that they will, too. Okay, we're going to put all those links on our, on our site and all those titles as well so people can... Uh, can uh, get inspired. Regina Doman is a, she's a Catholic author, editor, and speaker, and she's with her husband, the owner of Chesterton Press. You can learn more and find out all these titles that she mentioned and more at ChestertonPress.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart, with Because I Want an End from her new album, Till the Song is Sung.
That was Sarah Hart with Because I Want an End from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. Sarah Hart is probably the most accomplished Catholic songwriter of our time, not only because of the songs that she writes for herself, but also for the songs that she writes for and collaborates with so many others, including Matt Maher, Audrey Assad, The Newsboys, and Amy Grant. When not writing, Sarah keeps herself busy running women's and parish events and retreats, and also playing with her family. Sarah's most recent album that we've been listening to is Till the Song is Sung. It's her ninth as a solo artist. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Sarah Hart. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. So good to hear you. Oh, it's so good to hear you too. It's been too long. I don't know how long, but it is. And I keep seeing photos. I keep seeing photos that you post of your daughters, and they're so big. Uh, um, I know they're grown ups. It's crazy. They're as big as I am. I know with big feet, big smelly feet. It's wonderful. Oh, yes, I love teenagers. it. Teenagers, <laughs> great. Anyway, so I so yeah, Happy Mother's Day. I should say that. Thank you. Yeah. A little bit belated. Uh, do you guys celebrate Mother's Day at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, sorry, second oh, okay. Sunday and second Sunday in May. Yes. Yeah, okay, wonderful. Same. Yeah. It was a beautiful Mother's Day. We went on a hike and nobody complained. So that was perfect. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So it's good to see it's good to see that you're still juggling. I still remember that comment you told me about the, keeping the balls up in the air and juggling and you're always doing 10 million things. Oh, yes. So you're recording the well, I guess your the album is done till till the song is sung. It's your yep. ninth album. I find that so crazy. That's like a lot of albums. Um, and you I know, think I still have I your first one. Too. Yeah. So what's, what's different? What, what do you think is different for you f- about this album? Well, you know, um, I don't know what's different about it. I guess I haven't had long enough to process it because it's just out. It yes. just came out. But the songs are very special because each song is based on one of the fruits of the Spirit. So uh-huh. love, joy, peace patience, goodness, kindness, you know. Um, and so I, I wanted to address each one of those in a song because I felt like even standalone, they have their own merit. People tend to just like sort yes. of throw that Bible verse off the cuff 
instead of treating each one like it has its own specific ideas and merit. And so I really wanted to pay attention to that. And that's what the uh, recording did. And then I've also written a retreat about it. That yeah, I okay, wait, so hold on. Yeah, and I want to ask you about the retreat in a second. So I didn't make the connection. So so, uh, so the album is about the fruits of the Spirit, which that's great for Pentecost. Um, so uh, d- did you think of that like as a concept, like I want to do something about the fruits of the Spirit? Or were you writing these songs and it turned out that one was about love and one was about joy? Like how did that come about? Right. Well, actually, the retreat came first. So I've been working on the retreat for a couple of years. But as you know, I'm a songwriter. So I write songs pretty much three times a week, generally, in general. And so I'll write three or four songs a week. So what I really did was just once I had the retreat written, I kind of went back and looked at all the songs I had written and thought, what what song have I written that really fits this well that I actually like and want to sing? Um, cause you know, I don't always write songs that I want to sing. So that's right. as well. Yeah. But, um, but really that they all just seem to super well fall into place. And, um, it seems that I had a complete recording. I think I was one song shy and I ended up writing it very last. So wow. perfect. It, it all worked out really well. Yeah. So then, so then do you end up now using those songs as part of your retreat experience? Yeah, so either as part of the retreat experience or part of concert. So I do, you yeah. know, I do a ton of concerts. Yes. And a lot of times I'll do um, a parish mission or retreat with a concert, and a lot yeah. of times I'll just do standalone concerts. So I, I kind of work those songs in for sure to the retreat, but also into concert in okay, general. Okay, I see. Now, why the title, though? Because you think that you would have called it Fruits or something. <laughs> Fruity, I don't know. Well, you know. Till the song is sung. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, here's the honest truth. I, when I was in the studio, it really hit me that this is my ninth record. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, how is it that this is my ninth record and I'm only 29 years old? Like, how can that be, right? So that's what, I, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. No. And I, I'm not really 29, of course, you know. Yes. But I'm thinking, Lord, you know, how much longer do you want me to do this, really? And I was thinking about the lyrics of this song that I've written, and I felt God kind of speaking to my heart, I want you to do this till your song is sung. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, then I will, Lord, I will, you know, until I feel like you say stop, until I feel like you say, okay, well done, no more you can rest now, but I don't feel that way yet. So it's sort of my saying, I will continue to do this ministry and this singing and writing until the song is sung and it's done. That's beautiful. And I'm, I'm glad that you don't feel that the song is sung yet because we want you to keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, so, but wait, but there is, but there isn't a song called till the song is sung. So is that going to be? No, another... there's a song called "Source and Yield" that okay. has that lyric in it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and that's one of the songs that we're not playing, but people can go and <laughs> buy the album and listen to it. Um, okay. So, yes. so, um, so, tell me a little bit more then about the retreat because you do women's retreats or, and faith-focused retreats for musicians and and parish mm-hmm. events and stuff. You're doing a, a whole bunch of stuff. So, how did you come up with this idea? I want to do a retreat on the fruits of the spirit. Uh, I don't really know. It just kind of came to me one day. I've yeah. done a retreat. I've, this'll be, this is my fourth one that I've written. And okay. the last one that I did was based on the Beatitudes. And yeah. so it just, it, it follows so well to do seven to eight um, sort of mini segments. 
And when I started thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, I was like, oh, that's perfect, because there are ten of them. So I can at least teach from six or seven of them and still have three others as as sort of backup when I teach. Um, So it just seemed to fit what I was doing pretty well. And the last two retreats have been based on the life of Christ. So I'll... So, like, I'll talk about goodness and then talk about a story from the life of Christ that that echoes the concept of goodness. Or I'll talk about patience and do a uh-huh. story from the life of Christ. Nice. So these last two have been very special to me because I really get to teach about Jesus, which I love to do. And I love to teach from the Gospels. That's great. So then yeah. when, you're, when, you, and when you say so that it's designed to be like a full-day retreat, or if you go into a parish, how, how do the retreats work? They can work any way a parish wants them to. (laughs) They can work as a full-day retreat, which is generally like 9 to 3 or 9 to 4, and then I'll do a concert. Or I've done them as two-hour sessions. Um, I've done them as three-day parish missions, because a lot of people now are moving to this model of Sunday night night, concert, Monday, Tuesday teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, so I've done a lot of those lately, which work really, really well. Um, Yeah, just I can can manufacture the content to sort of... Because essentially, um, whatever the bill is. Because essentially, you have what six six sessions or whatever, and they can be distributed in whichever way, or you could combine them. Or yeah, there's actually eight. Eight so sessions. There are eight in the book. Yeah, and then they can okay. be just combined any way we want to do it. Um, okay. Yeah, but it's a beautiful model, and yeah. I really hadn't seen anything like it. And this was this has been ten years ago, and I just wow. didn't see anything like it. And I very much heard that voice that said, "If you build it, they will come." You yeah, know? absolutely. And I was like, "Okay, well then I'm going to build it." And it's really become the sort of the substance of what I do as an itinerant minister, which uh-huh, is great. That's great, and so it's great for parish missions. I know a lot of parishes are doing Advent and 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 Lenten oh, missions, yeah. but this was, this one sounds like it'd be great for Easter. That's a little unusual, but mm-hmm. do a, an, an Easter mission would be great for parishes. Um, about yes. I don't know, Sarah, eight years ago or so, you sent me a manuscript. I still have it. It's a musical, Bernadette of Lourdes. Mm, I think the music mm-hmm. is beautiful, and I always wanted to be the, the guy who actually mounted that, that, that musical, but you <laughs> beat me to it. You actually already mount, did you do, you, you mounted it, didn't you? Well, we did. So two years ago, we had our very first performance of it, and it was actually here in Nashville, which uh-huh. was very special, at a local Catholic high school. They yeah. did an incredible job, beautiful. Um, and now we are just trying to sort of um, get it out there. We talked, you know, to a couple of agents and things like that, but really we want to see it take off ourselves. Um, I've been submitting it to some sort of Catholic um kind of convention events to see yeah. if maybe we can get just get the word out because it is such a beautiful it special is. piece and and we don't want it to fall into the wrong hands of course we want it to be in the right hand. So thank you for mentioning it because we're still really working on it. Well, it's no, well, awesome. you know what? I, I seriously, I still have it and I have the recording <laughs> and I remember thinking this is so, like, I can totally see it on, like on Broadway, yeah. such a great I can musical too. and, and it'll, when the time is right, It'll happen, yeah. I'm sure, and maybe I'll be part of that. I don't know. Um, Listen, um, if the bridges of Madison County can get on Broadway, then surely <laughs> Bernadette can get on Broadway. Amen. Okay, so Sarah, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. I, 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 uh, I'm never worried that you're not that you're going to not have something, you know, next year. So I'm sure that we're going to be <laughs> hearing some more music from you. Um, but I love this recording. Yes. I've already. Uh, it's. I know it's not officially out yet, but I've shared a little bit of it with some people. So hopefully we can get uh, everybody excited and buying this album. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, I love it too, and it's a work of my heart, and I really appreciate your your talking about it. Thank you for letting me come on today. You're very welcome.
You can learn more about Sarah Hart. You can book her for your parish retreat or mission or event, and you can get her music, especially this new album, at her website, sarahartmusic.com. Here now is Sarah Hart with Joy in These Bones from her new album, Till the Song is Sung. I got bruises on my heart and on my soul Wounds of war within this blood and in my chest There are scars I've tried to make invisible A little secrets I work so hard to forget listening to Sarah Hart with Joy in These Bones from her new album Till the Song is Sung. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website saltandlighttv.org and you can follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. And punched a hole through all the stones so I could see Now I got joy and it keeps my Come out singing